0: Hey everybody. So, yeah, I before we get into this episode, before we start this and it is going to be a very fun episode. It is going to be fun and full of life and joyful and just happy and just full of great stuff and hopefully some great recommendations or things that you yourself have been vibing with. That is what we're going for with this episode. Uh you know, we have reached the end of a A dark, a troubling, a trying, and frankly just downright shitty year. So I didn't want to go out lamenting all the things that have happened or haven't been this year. I wanted to embrace the things that have meant something to different people. So that's what this episode is. It's going to be fun. It's going to be full of life. It's going to be just full of joy. But before we get there, I, uh, I just wanted to sit and take... A minute to recognise something, recognise someone. I found out uh, recently, at the time that this is going to go out, it will be about two weeks ago that I found out that uh, Montana Gordon-Leet, who you may know from the show from episode five as Tana Banana, the episode called Schooly Life, where I got to sit with with Tanner and talk about his school conversion project. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, I found out recently that Tanner has sadly, tragically passed away. Now, I don't know the full cause of it. His mum put out a statement on Facebook to let people know, letting people know that it was... It was it was fast, it was medical-related, but there are no other details in that. But it's not the details that matter. It's the fact that, you know, a very enthusiastic, passionate, joyous soul has gone. You know, I, truth be told, I didn't know Tanner that well. We weren't exactly, like, great friends. We knew each other, and I have had him in my periphery for many years now, it seems. Like ten, maybe a little more. I don't know. But he was somebody that, although I didn't know very well, I kind of knew because of the things he would share. The things that he was passionate about. The things that he would talk about with great conviction. That was one of the main reasons I wanted him on the show to begin with. Because he had that energy. He had that verve. And he was throwing himself into this wonderful, amazing project that he was just absolutely in awe of doing. He was also somebody that was just unabashedly honest about everything. And in the episode, which if you haven't, then please you know, go go check it out because it really is a breath of fresh air. His whole persona and his being is a f- breath of fresh air in a world in which there is so much deceit and people are constantly lying to each other and there's so much misinformation. He was refreshingly straightforward, sometimes in a blunt fashion, but I love that about him. I love that in people when they can just be, as the title of the show is, just dime down when they can be themselves turned up when they aren't Concerned with what people may perceive from who they are, or they don't worry themselves about how they come across. He was very much that. He was somebody that just embraced life and doing the things that he loved and the things he cared about. And there's something so beautiful and pure about that that we we often kind of filter ourselves and all the time. All the time we do it, and and it's just it was so refreshing to see somebody that just just didn't care about the trivial, mundane things that we that we get ourselves tied up in. You know, there's a phrase that comes from skateboarding culture, which is fiddler, F-I-D-L-A-R, and it stands for fuck it, dog, life's a risk. And it's the idea of just, you know, regardless of what you believe, you know, the thing that is guaranteed, amazingly, miraculously, is that we're here. The one thing that is guaranteed right now Right here, in this very moment, is that we are here. And that we should be doing the things that make us happy, the things that we love, the things that we care about. You know? So in celebration of that spirit, of that essence of who Tanner was, I want all of us, all of us, whether you have been with the show a long time, whether you know me personally, whether you are a complete stranger from a completely different continent, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I want all of us moving on into this next year to embrace that fiddler mindset to just throw ourselves into it right? because what's the worst that can happen? the worst thing you can do is just ask yourself at the end of the road if you are lucky to get that far but what if? the question should not be why? it should be why not? and with that mindset And that spirit, we're about to move into the episode, our 2020 time capsule. But one last thing before we do, if by any chance Tanner's mum or any of his family are listening, then just know that here at Dime Down, our thoughts are very much with you at the minute. But know that Tanner left a huge impression on a great deal of people. And at the show here, we want to take that spirit, we want to take that impression, and we want to move forward with it and hopefully let it continue to inspire other people maybe if you don't want to talk you could just listen Right, gang, what is happening? I am Malfoster and you, as always, are listening to the latest episode of Dimed Out. This is season 2, episode 2, and it is our very last episode of this awful, wretched year. That's right, we are on the very precipice of kicking the stinking us of 2020 right into the void of time. Hopefully, for the most part, not to be remembered. I say for the most part because I think we can all agree that huge chunks of this year have been an absolute shit barrel. But, hopefully, everybody has found something to give them solace, give them comfort, give them joy, give them an escape, give them a sense of love, give them a laugh, give them something that they will carry on from this year into the next and far beyond. Whether that is something they've realized and discovered within, or if that's an external thing, whatever it is, That's what we're talking about in this week's episode. We are not going to sit here and lament about the awful that has been this year, because what is the point? We've been through it, we've got to the other side, and now we are moving forward. But we are going to take some things from this year, and those things are going to be absolute positive jewels. Diamonds in the dirt, as it were. So that's what this episode is. It is a proverbial time capsule in which myself and four previous guests from season one are going to contribute two items a piece and throw them into our, as I say, proverbial time capsule. Now, the items in question can pretty much be anything. And they are, as you will find out, they range from films and TV to hobbies to abstract concepts and personal discoveries. Yeah, there's quite the gamut on display here, and I love that, because it really shouldn't be confined to just conventional or pragmatic or tactile things, it should be anything, anything that you have found or discovered, and I say you because I want you to get involved, you see... The time capsule has not actually gone into the ground yet. And we also still have plenty of space. So we need you guys to help fill it up. So what I want from you guys are two things that you have found this year. And again, it can be anything. It can be a tangible thing. It can be an abstract concept. It can just be a realisation about yourself. It can be whatever it is you want it to be. As long as, one, it is positive. Two, you discovered it this year. Meaning, it can be centuries old. But if you came across it this year, if you have discovered it this year, it is eligible to go into the time capsule. So yeah, think about it. It can be difficult. I realised this when I sat down to do my own two items, that it was actually kind of hard to whittle it down. So yeah, give it a good thought, and when you've got your two, let me know what you want to throw into the time capsule by getting in touch with me on Twitter or Instagram at IamMalfoster. So... As I said, it's going to be me and it's going to be four previous guests from season one. And those guests are in no particular order. Andy, who came on to talk about serial killers and cults and Heaven's Gate. And by the way, just as a side note, if you have HBO Max, other streaming services are available. But if you do have HBO Max, definitely check out their four part mini documentary series on Heaven's Gate Fantastic. Anyway, so that's Andy. You will probably remember her if you were an OG dimer. If not, this is what she sounds like, just so you can recognize her when she appears in the episode.
1: Well, okay, I thought about this and I wrote them down already.
0: So have two contributions from Daniel Seraph, who came on for episode four, I believe. And we talked all things film, we talked about documentaries, and we talked about his time traveling around Japan. All of these are fantastic episodes, by the way. Obviously, I have a certain personal bias, but if you haven't listened to these episodes that these guys fully feature, on definitely check them out you are also going to be hearing from rachel our absolutely beloved new age explorer
2: i'm rachel i'm the fippy from episode i don't know
0: 21 and 22 to talk about starting her own eco-friendly business and to talk about all kinds of woo-woo stuff so yeah if you like your woo-woo stuff definitely check out that episode if you're thinking of starting a new business in 2021 definitely check out episode 21 Which is, wow, didn't even mean to line it up like that. But hey, maybe it's kismet, maybe it's fate. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it is just all these woo-woo elements lining up. And last, but by no means whatsoever least, we have Joe Myers, who was our featured guest for our Halloween episode. Absolute joy to sit down with Joe again and talk about his two picks. If you haven't, then do go check out the Halloween episode. I know it's not seasonally appropriate right now, but it is, because let's be real... Halloween is every day, at least in my heart And of course, I shall be contributing two items Which we're going to do right now, I'm going to kick things off We're going to do them in two separate rounds And uh, yeah, everyone's going to get to go twice, including myself And uh, yeah, let's get into it, let's kick this off Let's crack open the time capsule And let's put the first thing in, courtesy of me, myself and I So the first official item into our proverbial 2020 time capsule and my first round pick is somewhat of an obscure choice, but it is something that is absolutely near and dear to my heart. It is something that has just absolutely won me over and that I I love this so dearly and I cannot believe it took me 17 years to discover its existence. The first item that I am throwing into the time capsule is the BBC short-lived, sadly short-lived, tragically short-lived sitcom, Early Doors. So, Early Doors ran between 2003 and 2004. It ran for two seasons, and in typical British format, it was six episodes apiece, meaning it's only 12 episodes in total, which is a crying shame, because everybody and anybody needs to watch this. This is just... It is just absolute solid gold. So the concept for Early Doors is really simple, and I think the simplicity is just one of many reasons why this show works so well. It is, for all intents and purposes, I guess, the Northern England equivalent of Cheers. So the show centres around this old-school pre-smoking band pub called The Grapes, and as soon as you step in through the door... At least for me, it's like, I know this place, I have frequented this place, I have been to this place many times, and I guess that's where the sort of comparison to Cheers comes from. It's a place where everybody knows your name. And it's true, they do, because the show follows a set amount of characters who constantly frequent the grapes, and it also follows the the life, the relationships, the complications, the daily comings and goings of these characters, and... The landlord who runs it. So yeah, the template, the concept, the premise is super simple. But from that simplicity, you get to build real, genuine, heartfelt characters. Characters that you, or at least I, from my experience watching it, recognize in some degree. Maybe not exactly, but I recognize different traits. I recognize different phrases. I recognize different mannerisms, behaviors, or just ways of being. There are little bits and pieces of every character in this show that i have either known on a pretty good level or i have encountered even just fleeting while visiting pubs like the grapes the simplicity of the show really is a sort of breeding ground for authenticity and sincerity and that is not just in its representation of characters but it's just within its tone and its feel it really is a stellar example of what i would call salt of the earth writing and In regards writing, it is written by Phil Mealy and Craig Cash. Some people will recognize Craig Cash from Mrs. Merton or the royal family. And for the US listeners, I don't mean the crown on Netflix or the actual royal family. We're not talking about those lizards. We're talking about a Northern England sitcom that ran throughout the late 90s, early 2000s as well. Um, Just basically, it was very, again, simple premise. Instead of a pub, it was just people sitting around their living room watching TV, talking to each other, and character building. If you know the show, and you like the show, then chances are you're going to love Early Doors, because because of the Craig Cash writing connection, I guess, because it comes from that same source, it does feel like it's cut very much tonally and comedically from the same kind of cloth, or a very similar kind of cloth. And speaking of comedic material, outside of just its sincerity, its genuine presentation, its heartfelt, deep-rooted, salt of the earth lovable tone it is just also consistently really really funny throughout from the very first scene to the end of the last episode it is just consistently funny with a very dry biting wit it kind of does have a sort of national and even regional sort of brand of humor to it in the same way that the royal family did but despite that being its its core root I think it transcends. So even if you're not from the north of England, if you're not from the Manchester, Lancashire, Yorkshire area, if you are not from that part of the world, you will still find it funny because of the timing, the jokes, the contradictions within people's behaviours. It's just consistently hilarious. In a year which has felt so, so surreal, this has been an anchor of realism. It's been an anchor of just recognition, of sincerity, of just in just oh i just love it it is i just love it and it has really really found a deep spot in my heart if 2020 has been a raging blizzard that we've all had to sort of walk through in bare feet early doors is a roaring open fire and a thick woolly blanket yeah I i just love this show All right, so your first item that is going into the time capsule, what do you have for me?
2: Well, firstly, I forgot that it was meant to be like happy things. So one of the things <laughs> that I thought, well, I had more than two, obviously, because it's me. So one of the things that I thought was that I was going to go with is a bad thing, so I'm switching it out for a good thing.
0: All right, well, let's put a pin in that because I'm going to come back to that and I'm going to find out okay. what your bad thing was in a bit. Well, but it's yeah. not a
2: bad, bad thing, it's just not a positive thing. It,
0: it's not like murder, is it? It's not like duck. <laughs>
2: So yes so my first thing is I have discovered what a life of content is
0: Oh say say what
2: like living a life of contentment
0: oh
2: I've discovered it I really think I have I think if I had nothing else like if, if my life was exactly as it is right now, everything that I've got, everything that it is and it never mm-hmm. was any different I would die a very happy person obviously when my food runs out I want it to be replenished so it's like always at the same level (laughs) but yeah living a life of contentment I feel like I've got to that level
0: what is it that's actually brought you to that level is there anything that's 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 happened or is it just like a realization that just Um, appeared this this feeling of content content what is the word?
2: Content, contentment. I think that's the word. Sure. I should have probably have googled that. <laughs> don't say that every time we speak. I and mean, I use a word, and you go, "Sure." I'm thinking you're like, nah, that's not a word."
0: Right, because you know fine well that I don't know a bunch of words that I end up using. So I'm just, I'm just going on the natural, hopeful assumption that it's correct. Yeah. Poetic
2: license.
0: Sure. Exa- exactly. Poetic license with the English language. <laughs>
2: Yeah, definitely. Like, I I think I wanted to try and stay away from the boring, like, this is all because of my change in life, like, Mm -hmm. my my huge U-turn in life from leaving my job to working for myself. But I think it is very much a part of that. And also really a part of, like, lockdown and COVID as well, I guess, because I think the thing that I always wanted in my life was balance. Like, you know, when you, when you ask yourself, like, you really think about your values and you really think about what it is that you want in your life. Like, that's always like been the first thing that comes to mind. It's balance, balance in everything, you know, life can't be all good. So a balance of good and bad and a, a balance of busyness and stillness and a bit, a balance of healthy and like overindulgence. I just, I really like that idea of having balance in your life. And I think from, le- I had a very imbalanced life with my work and now it's a lot more balanced again.
0: Do you think it's a perspective thing? Do you think obviously because you have had such a huge, as you say, sort of alteration in your life in terms of, of definitely work, but also just dealing with everything else everyone's dealing with this year, do you feel like it's become like a the, the change in perspective has kind of given you more insight into the things that matter and that's where your feeling of, of contentment comes from?
2: Yeah, I guess. I think it's actually a lot of things together. So I think it's partially mine and Sean's outlook on life in terms of like minimalism and Mm -hmm. living a life of less in general. I think that coupled with being able to stop and think and and stop and pause and just taking what we've got right now and think about obviously, the amount of people that don't have what we have. And I think it's a, cul- a culmination of different things. And I'm not 100% certain it would have happened if the lockdown and the pandemic right. hadn't have happened.
0: I'm with you on that because as bad as it has been um, for everyone, and obviously it varies in different degrees of, of mm-hmm. severity for different people, but I think, yeah, it's it's been outside of all of the trials and tribulations that have come with it and uh, what have you, I think for, I would at least like to hope, most people, it has been an opportunity to stop and actually look around you and kind of reassess and look at what is happening around you, where you're heading, and where it is you would actually like to be heading.
2: Yeah, I agree, definitely. Mm -hmm. And just thinking, well, if I did lose my job or, because actually I think probably that's another thing the, the worry of for, for a lot of people of me and my partner might lose our jobs if you know if you have a significant other that's been really real for everybody more than more than any other time, even when there's a recession yeah. and so I think the thought of well, what would actually happen if that did happen like would we be okay? obviously this isn't for any, everybody because a lot of people don't even have enough of what they need anyway, mm-hmm. but like we take a look around and think yeah, we we have enough to be very happy and we should be very grateful for what we have.
0: Yeah, I like that. It's a bit of an abstract addition to the time capsule, but I don't have an issue with that at all. But yeah, I like that. No, don't be. All of
2: mine are a bit like that.
0: Don't be. I like that. I like that. We're we're mixing it up and we're throwing something that is very, um, not just timely, but something that is very poignant and, and has a greater sense of purpose. So, yeah, I like that. The feeling of being content.
1: Well, okay, I thought about this and I wrote them down already. Nice. My things are I finally learned how to geocache this year after many, many, many years of wanting to do it. It's a great social distancing activity.
0: What exactly is geocaching?
1: Basically, it's like an adult Easter egg hunt. Oh. I have an app where people log little things that they hide all around the city and they're everywhere. So basically they give you coordinates and you find it. And usually they can range from mild to hard. So some things will be easy to find. Some things will be hard to find, but once you find it, um, there's usually a gift inside you can take something and, but if you take something, you have to leave something. So one time I found a pill bottle that was wrapped in camouflage duct tape that had a plastic dinosaur inside Nice. to leave. So I just admired the dinosaur. And then there's <laughs> always, there's always a little log book where you can write your name and see all of the people who found it before you. Uh-huh. It is so cool. It's awesome.
0: So that's cool. So you add yourself to the list of people that have been there and have presumably either admired the dinosaur like you did, or perhaps someone has put the dinosaur there. So that's yeah. the, you, you swap things out when you find them. Yeah. So presumably it wasn't a dinosaur to start with. It was maybe something else. Maybe. That is pretty interesting. What kind of things do you usually tend to find?
1: Um, usually they're very, very small magnet. Um, do you know those like blinky lights, blinking lights that you get at like a fair? Yes. There's the things that are that size like okay. this that are just magnetic and they're stuck onto something. Okay. Um. There's a road by my house that has a metal barrier that runs across it. And every mile there's one of those. And it's oh. a ge- And you pick it up and it has a little little, tiny piece of paper in it that you can write your name on. A lot of people do pill bottles. Um, I've seen golf balls that are hollowed out. Just basically anything you can think of that you could hide effectively.
0: How the hell do you hollow a golf ball out? No idea. (laughs) Wow. I feel like that's an internet rabbit hole all of its own. (laughs) Just find myself spending the rest of the afternoon watching people actually hollow out golf balls
1: did it. I took me forever to find that one and I actually like got cuts all over my leg but I was so dedicated because everyone kept saying it was really really hard and I had never found a hard geocache so I like basically had to climb the bottom half of this tree and there's like a hole and there was just a golf ball that was cut in half
0: so there's various degrees of difficulty yeah <laughs> so it's kind, it's, it's kind of like an RPG but in real life kind of like a side quest in an RPG
1: it's so fun wow what
0: is the what is the strangest one you found
1: um oh so there's one <laughs> i thought of it i think i think the strangest thing was what was left in it um yeah it's really not that strange, but I found it at the hospital, the emergency exit or the emergency center in the hospital. And it was just hiding next to a light pole. And inside of it was three packets of crystal light powder. Why?
0: What? What is <laughs> yeah. what, what is crystal light powder?
1: Drink powders that you mix into water. Oh, they were in the geocache.
0: It's maybe for people that are doing like a marathon geocache and it's just like for endurance. <laughs> maybe, maybe keeping like all the adventurers hydrated <laughs> on their, their long epic quest.
1: I just don't know how comfortable I would be to drink something out of geocache. Right,
0: that's somebody here. That's someone that you have no idea has left. You don't know exactly what's in there.
1: Other than that, that was probably the strangest thing I found.
0: Do you have a tendency to leave things yourself when you find these for other people? Because or,
1: every time I choose to go geocaching, I forget to bring something. So I okay. can hire whatever's there.
0: <laughs> well, here's the thing, maybe for 2021, is you can start to maybe uh, compile some little treats. Just tiny little treats um, for, for people to find I
1: have, when you've been. Things like this. Like what?
0: What is it? Oh, that is a dog with a fireman's hat on for listeners who can't see. It's a Dalmatian, in fact. Is that oh, Andy just dropped it. Um is that from is that from Paw Patrol? What is that from? Is.
1: Um, wow. I have this bad habit of I finding these kind of things. This was in my laundry. My laundry. What? Yeah. I, I was using the community laundry and I brought my dryer dryer oh my god <laughs> i drive <dragged> clothes home <laughs> and there was this his name is i want to say marshall
0: um, sure fire marshall <laughs> makes sense
1: and so i just keep him i'm gonna keep him forever
0: <laughs> so, so you you just found that in in your laundry someone left there
1: yeah hopefully
0: a child accidentally
1: I hope so. I The things that I find from the community laundry are amazing. I actually had to make a box for the socks that I find to leave in the laundry
0: room. You were finding that many missing socks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know this is, like, this is like a big thing that is, you know, everyone's lost a sock in the laundry. But I mean, to the point where there's that many socks going missing, it's just like a lost and found.
1: <laughs> I felt so bad throwing people's socks away because I get at least two socks every time I do laundry so I'm like maybe other people are having this problem too (laughs) what if I Uh, clearly back?
0: (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, what you could do is instead of making the lost and found box for these socks you could take them and you could leave them in the geocaching so people just like pass them on
1: everybody needs socks
0: but with a message inside the, the like the the, the the toe end of the sock. Or <laughs> well, what you should do, what you should do is take a sock, right, and we will give me some free promotion here. You just put like the the name of the website for the <laughs> podcast on a piece of paper in the sock and leave it. So whenever people oh yeah, I found found like a really hard geocache, there it is, there it is. Get it, get it. Click, 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 open it and then what the hell? There's a sock. There's something inside the sock. What? Just pure curiosity, they dig into the sock, they pull it out, and they're like, What is this? I wonder what this website is all about. And boom, there you go, potential new <laughs> listener. Through the random soft promotion.
1: For
0: you. <laughs> Thanks. I think you should. I, I'd like to see this happen. You can be my on the street um, guerrilla marketing person.
3: The first, um, which I'll just do a little bit of a preamble about. Sure. Um, I think I maybe mentioned this when I came on your podcast uh, a couple of months ago, Mal, but. One of the positive things about lockdown for me has been that it's kind of given me the time to get into video games, which I've never really had the time to get into before. Uh-huh. um I think my relationship with games lasted from like 97 to 2002. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got a Nintendo 64 for like my seventh birthday. I, I was going to say, it's a good year. That's a good time period to be into games. Yeah, it was. It was like, it was a n- Nintendo 64 was my first console, and like Super Mario 64, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time were like my two first games, which are still like two of my favorite games.
0: I was going to say, man, what a good start. What a good start into your gaming life.
3: <laughs> I think I was spoiled a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, so like there was a kind of five year period where I was really into everything. So I, you know, bought a bunch of the Nintendo titles like Banjo Kazooie. Um, I think I ended up getting the PlayStation. So I ended up playing things like Final Fantasy VII and Tony Hawk's and Metal Gear Solid. But then I kind of remember getting a GameCube, so that would have been like 2002, 2003, and just never touching it. (laughs) And after that, maybe I've played a handful of games since then. We'd have some kind of like multiplayer things when I was at university with my flatmates. You know, I would just kind of get into some of the bigger titles like GTA and Red Dead Redemption and things. But other than that, it's just not something I've had much of an interest in. Yeah. But during lockdown, I think because... I've had more time to get into it. It's something I've sort of wanted to explore again. And, like, I was talking about this with one of my friends the other day, and they were like, I guess it's sort of, like, the immersion of it as well. Like, you sort of, you know, you can sort of watch movies and dip yourself in for, like, two hours or, you know, sort of lose yourself in a book for a couple of chapters, but with games are something very immersive. Um, I think with everything going on in the world it's good to just sort of lose yourself in a completely different world for a little while.
0: Right if you're ever going to lose yourself in a long form medium this would be (laughs) the year to do it.
3: Yes exactly so on that note um, you know I I realised there's this whole indie gaming scene for instance which Mm. completely passed me by so I kind of got to get into things like or remains of either Finch and a short hike and gone home wild heart sayonara and these sort of like little indie games um but the best thing I played and the thing I the thing I think will sort of define my lockdown experience was the legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild which was like a kind of perfect lockdown game because it was so immersive yeah. um, and it was just something that I could get lost in for hours and hours and hours and I kind of I started the game sort of the the pit of like my sort of desperation with lockdown um and with like the whole state of the world so it was a really really therapeutic thing to like lose myself in uh for quite a long time i just loved it the thing that i hope will sort of define this year for me more so than like covid and
0: all the other shit in the world that is a good thing to latch onto. i'm a bit of a zelda noob i must admit like i am familiar with the music weirdly enough more than anything and obviously, the the primary characters of Link and what have you, and and the whole sort of idea of of the high rule sort of yeah. timeline being sort of here, there, and everywhere. There was a point where I wanted to get into it, and I actually wanted to play through the games in chronological order, not of release, but of <laughs> like the timeline. And then I got into this this whole internet rabbit hole of different theories of well. Some people think this is the timeline, and then other people think, well, this is the timeline, and I was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I feel like as good as my intentions are here, I may have just uh, gone a little bit over my head. Um, but, <laughs> but what platform, like what console is that particular game on? Uh, I've been playing it on Nintendo Switch. Okay. Uh, so
3: I guess when I sort of got into games during lockdown... Um, mm. I figured this was probably the best thing to invest in. I was either just playing games on my laptop, which is incredibly slow and not very functional, or I have, like, a PlayStation 4, which I've been mostly using as, like, a very large sort of like smart stick um, like netflix and amazon and yeah to kind of do kind of streaming services yeah it's just it's yeah it wasn't kind of ideal for kind of finding like indie games and things but i knew that the switch store had a lot of options yeah so i mostly bought it for that reason but it, it just kind of came in a bundle with with my switch so i thought you know i'm gonna give it a go i really like ocarina of time mm-hmm. and like i have such kind of nostalgic feelings around the music it's weird that you kind of bring that up because like yeah that's the thing i have the strongest impressions of from that game but i really loved it because like i think it takes a lot of the stuff that i remember and i feel very nostalgic about from the original games but also sort of improves on that and kind of marries it with more kind of like a modern kind of gaming style and also it's like not afraid to kind of be its own thing like it's not just full of sort of callbacks to original Music and old characters, like it's kind of trying to build sort of a
4: new world as well. Like I feel like it's you know a game that stands alone. well Being an entertainment junkie, uh, my first item is a television series called Shit's Creek, and I think I briefly mentioned that when we did the October episode because my films had been skewed hardcore toward horror, but any TV show I was watching were comedies. And Shit's Creek, something that I did not start watching until this year, right mm-hmm. after the lockdown. Uh, for anyone not aware of it, it's a show created by Dan and Eugene Levy, and it's about a family, the Rose family, who uh, the father, played by Eugene Levy, was a video store magnet. So he created like an empire-like blockbuster from the ground up. His family was super wealthy. Uh, Catherine O'Hara played Maura, his wife, and she was a soap opera actress who was pretty famous, but it kind of passed her prime. So they were just living off of all this money they had, and they found out that their finance manager was embezzling from them. They owed all this back taxes, and overnight, they were destitute. And the only thing they still had in their name is, as a joke, Eugene Levy's character, Johnny... Bought a town called Shit's Creek for his son, uh, David, played by his real-life son Dan Levy. So they end up having to go to this little tiny town, and the mayor of the town is played by Chris Elliott, who I've loved since way back in the day, and his name is Roland Shit. So everything. <laughs> It is kind of like play on words and just (laughs) various sort of circumstances. So they go from just the lap of luxury to having to live in the only hotel in town. They have adjoining rooms, one for the um, children and then one for themselves. And these are adult children. So (laughs) I always thought that this was like some sort of parody show because I had heard at one point Dan Levy came up with the idea. He took it to his father, Eugene, to kind of flesh it out. But the gist of it was he had been watching a ton of reality television and was like, what would The Kardashians be if overnight they lost all their money, what would they do? So I, in my head, I'm like, oh, this must be kind of like an office or a Parks and Recs thing where there's a film crew following them around because you know they had a show because they were rich and famous, and then they lose everything. But the you know the television show keeps going because now it's even more interesting that they've lost everything and they're living this destitute lifestyle. But it wasn't that at all. It was a totally scripted, just regular single camera comedy. But oh my God, the writing on it is so good. You expect it just to be kind of like a fish out of water story where like everything appalls them because like, oh my God, you're so poor. How do you live like this? And there is a little bit of that in there. But once they get that out of the way early on, it really is all about the characters and their development. I'm a sucker for finding yourself entertainment, whether it's coming of age stuff like Stand By Me or something like this show where you have adult people getting the carpet just pulled out from underneath them and having to reinvent themselves on the spot. And like they have little quirks here or there that make you go oh my god that character is so so horrible but they learn from everything and they grow as people over the span of the series and it was like uh i think six seasons 80 episodes total like 23 ish minutes per episode so it, it's a quick watch especially once you get into it and you start grabbing onto these characters
0: I have just started this show. It's really interesting that this is one of your two because I've just started it about two weeks ago. I've kind of had stagnant viewing of it because December is and has been for some time the month of the year in which I look at the list of films I haven't seen yet. And I'm just like, ah, okay, I need to get these in before I make a list of 10 for the year or whatever I would be doing So yeah, it's kind of been, my TV viewing has been sort of broken off into little bits and pieces because I'm making a little bit more extra room to to cram some last minute entries for possible top 10 films of the year. So I have started it, um, but I'm about four or five episodes in. I have been told about this a number of times. And and like you said, I kind of had in the back of my head it being somewhat of a parody And as much as I love The Office, as much as I love Parks and Rec, and I I do like that whole mockumentary style, that kind of distanced me a little bit. I was like, I don't really know if I have room for another one of those right now. And so I kind of put it off and then we watched it. And as I say, about four episodes in, Uh, We haven't quite got to the growth part yet. They're still very much showcasing their (laughs) their horribleness. But within that horribleness, there are some absolutely fantastic one-liners and some great moments of satire. The writing, I think you're right, is just consistent. Like it's consistently funny from what I've seen so far.
4: Yeah, I think one of my favorite things is uh, the daughter of the Rose family, Alexis, uh, played by Annie Murphy. She was one of my favorite people to watch since we binged it. Like we watched everything but the final season over a very short span. And then we knew that the final season was going to hit Netflix in October. And I really wanted to just buy it on iTunes and binge the whole thing. And and, and (laughs) my girlfriend, Elise, is like, no, you know what? We just went through the first five seasons pretty quick. Let's just sit for a while with it and then just watch it when it comes out. And then we kept finding ourselves going back and we would start it over and watch the first couple episodes and compare like where they started to where they were at the end of season five and what was going to be coming up. So it's something that normally I tend to not watch just random episodes here or there, but we'd find it on TV late at night and just watch whatever episode it was just because we knew Like, oh, my God, we're going to laugh at something in this episode. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get in season six. They nail the landing so well at the end of this thing. I I really do think it's jumped into my top five to ten of all time series. Wow. But this show is it's sunshine in a bottle for me it really i come away like my face would hurt we would be laughing so hard at it
0: there you go I, I there's no further recommendation needed i think if we were all looking for something at the end of this year it's a bit of sunshine in a bottle so yeah we'll, we'll have that that's in the time capsule joe excellent pick So my second pick is not a tangible item. It's not a physical thing that I can throw into a time capsule. It's, it's an event and it's a feeling and it's a memory that will transcend this year and all the others that follow it. The second item that I'm throwing into the time capsule is watching Liverpool FC finally, finally win the Premier League. So a little bit of backstory for you. When I was about... From, from the ages of about 9 to 19. Yeah, a good, solid decade. Yeah, I... <laughs> between that age gap, that window of time, I just had this obsessive, compulsive love for Liverpool. Like, I was just completely immersed. More so in my younger... The younger side of that sort of spectrum of time. But yeah, I was just... I was, like, died in the wool obsessed... And I went through such a journey with that team. At that point, the club's heyday had been and gone. Its its golden age had disappeared. The victorious era of the 60s, 70s and 80s was a memory. And at that point, when I was supporting them, the team was pretty much in... A rut. A pretty big rut. There were a few dips, there were a few peaks, a few valleys. There was, of course, the 96 FA Cup Final against Manchester United. Young 11-year-old me, in the height of my supporting, so excited to see them get to the Cup Final, and then finding myself absolutely crushed by Eric Cantona's late goal. (sighs) still difficult to talk about. So yeah, through no choice of my own, I decided to follow this club through uh, probably one of the worst patches of the club's history. But I stayed adamant. I still supported, I stayed strong, I believed, I had faith, I had optimism, despite having my heart crushed in 96. I kept going, I kept going. And eventually things did fade out a little bit as I got into my late teens, early 20s. Other interests kind of crept in and took over and I found myself distanced from Anfield, from the club, from the game as a whole and just kind of detached for a period of time. And it wasn't really until about five years ago through office banter, through doing fantasy football at work that I kind of got myself back interested in the game and interested in the club. And the last four years have just kind of been pretty militant again you know it feels like i've gone back to that 11 year old who after the initial heartbreak (laughs) came back defiant came back just full-blooded in support of this team so the last four years have been a journey of their own we came close we came close to winning the Champions League. It didn't happen. We came back and we won the Champions League. We came close to winning the Premier League. It didn't happen. We missed out so by such a neat, narrow margin. And I was like, okay, this feels familiar. We're getting close, but we're not doing it. And it felt like maybe it's just never going to happen. But this year, it did. I mean, it was a wild ride. One hell of a start to the season. Game after game after game, notching up victories, notching up three points, breaking records. And then obviously COVID happened. We had the break. And at one point it looked like this amazing run we've been on is about to just collapse because they're not going to restart. They're going to scrap the season. And that's it. Like the closest I have ever been in the 14 to 15 years of supporting this club came this close, and it felt like it was about to be snatched away. But then we had Project Restart, and the season finished, and it happened. It actually, finally, actually, actually happened. And even now, it's still kind of surreal to even think about it, because it's been this near-impossible dream that's kind of been hovering in the ether for so long. Even now, it's still a little bit surreal to even sit and think about it. But it did. It did actually happen. It wasn't a dream. And granted, it was a little bit tainted by COVID. It was sad to see and feel empty. Because a moment like that, that so many people have waited generations, decades to see, should have happened in front of a crowd. It should have had the roar of the cop in full voice. It didn't. And that's kind of heartbreaking, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it actually happened. And it doesn't take away from the feeling that seeing them lift that trophy and be declared champions again for the first time in 30 years, it doesn't take away that feeling. That is something, that is a moment, that is a memory, that is a space in time, that is an external and internal feeling that I will live with, remember and cherish forever. All right. So for your second choice, what have we
4: got? So this is a a very personal pick for me. It's a podcast called The King Cast. I, since I was a child, have been a huge fan of Stephen King. Every single year on the podcast, Macabre, we do what we call the Summer of Stephen. So June, July, and August, each one of us get a pick per month where we'll read either a short story or an entire novel of Stephen King, and then compare and contrast with a film or television adaption. The King cast is that, but every single week. So I'm, of course, I was sold right away. Uh, there's two co-hosts, uh, Eric Vespey and Scott Walsh. Eric Vespi if you're around my age and jumped in on the internet at the very early start of it and you were a film fan, you were at some point on com. Oh, yeah. And, Qu- and Eric Vesby was Quint on that website. He hmm. was my favorite writer. I didn't always agree with some of his reviews, but like Roger Ebert, if I didn't, he still explained why he thought the way he did, so it would maybe look at a film a little bit differently sometimes. Scott Wampler, I he's written for a bunch of different places, but I knew him through Birth Movies' death. They're both huge Stephen King fans as well. So they started this podcast in May of this year, and the gist of it was exactly what we do for Summer Steve, and they were going to have guests guest on, talk about a short story or a novel and compare and contrast with the television or film adaption. Their very first guest out of the gate was a Camille Nanjiani for The Running Man. Then as they kept going with it and they started banking episodes, that is the main part of what they do. But then they would have like interviews. So they would bring in people who actually worked on the Stephen King movies or whatever and... So Dee Wallace came in and did an interview talking about Cujo, which was fantastic. Uh, the, my all-time favorite episode is an interview they did with Thomas Jane, talking about all the various stuff, especially The Mist, which I love. And Thomas Jane is, I don't know if you've done a deep dive into him, he's one of the most free-spirited, say-exactly-what-he-wants people I've ever seen in the entertainment industry. See, I wouldn't <laughs> picture that, to be honest. Oh, my good Lord. He says exactly what he thinks on that episode about a lot of stuff. And it is fantastic to listen to. They had a Dark Tower episode with Glenn Mazzara, and then they had an episode on the Eyes of the Dragon with Seth Graham Smith, where those two guys were actively involved in trying to bring television series based on those books to like Amazon Prime or Hulu or wherever Mm. it was. So they would talk about the development process, what went wrong, why it didn't get picked up, and what they had planned.
0: That's kind of fascinating. So it's kind of like looking at what could have been but never was.
4: Yes. And even though I'm a Hugh Stephen King fan, the Dark Tower series is kind of lost on me. But it was very fun listening to Glenn talk about what they had planned at Amazon Prime and what eventually broke that down was just basically it was going to cost too much money and they didn't want to make the commitment. And I think that's when they also went with like the Lord of the Rings series that they're working on now. The other thing, fun thing I like about this show is the guests get to pick what they talk about. So sometimes they have overlap, and they'll talk about things twice. Like Pet Cemetery, they've gone over two times now. Um, Mallory O'Meara is a writer; she came on and spoke about it, and then just recently, within the last month or so, uh, Anna Lily Amirpour came on to talk about it as well. And it's just like hearing their origin stories with Stephen King; it's almost exactly the same, like everyone's like, oh, I either moved around a lot or I was an only child. So I just happened to see the book in the bookstore and the cover grabbed me and I wanted to read it. It's a lot of those stories. But I'll throw out three episodes that I think people Ooh, okay. have, have to listen to if you just want to take a snippet of it and see if it's something that you want.
0: All right, like a sample platter of sorts.
4: Yes, I, I would definitely go with the Thomas Jane interview. That one. Yeah, yeah for out sure. this world, fantastic. Then uh, the next one that I'll say is uh, Salem's Lot with Brian Fuller. I love Brian Fuller. Hannibal's one of my favorite television shows. Pushing Daisies is one of my favorite television shows. And the reason he picks Salem lot will blow your mind because he ties it to an actual serial killer who came to his small town where he was growing up as a boy who got away with the murders and he ties it to the vampire coming to this little tiny town of Salem's lot and evil sort of infecting small towns. It is way good. Oh my God, it's way good. Uh, And the other one and this one's going to be a little weird because it's actually a a book I've not read and I've never seen the movie and based off of what I know about it now, I don't really care to ever watch it, but there was an episode on A Good Marriage and Kate Siegel came in and talked about it. Uh, She's a writer and an actress. She did a movie called Hush that um, Mike Flanagan directed. That's her husband. So they co-wrote it together. He directed it. She's been in uh, both The Haunting of Bly Manor and uh, Haunting a Hill House as well, so people will recognize her from there. Out of every guest they have had on this series so far, Kate's knowledge of Stephen King stuff is encyclopedic. I mean, she is just, was rolling off bits here and there, and even the guys at the top said, like, we didn't know what to expect going into this, especially because of what she picked but we're supposed to be the experts and she puts our knowledge to shame. So those would be the three that I really like, but there's so many others like Richard Stanley came on to talk about creep show. And I absolutely adore Richard Stanley's movies. And then uh, Alex Winter was on talking about the dead zone, right about the time that the new Bill and Ted movie came out. So it's just all these different various people that come in. Uh, Most of them are in the business one way or the other. Uh, They bring in a lot of comedians, which is it's fun to listen to what they have to think, but directors coming in and talking about how much Stephen King influenced them and how they do their films has been kind of the highlight for me because I just in the back of my head I'm like yeah they're just like me
0: (laughs) so that's your first item into the time capsule for 2020 what is your second
4: uh my second is a television show
3: again it's one of those things where for a long time there's been a list of like big TV shows that i really wanted to to delve into. But I've mostly stuck to kind of mini series and at most kind of like a HBO series or a showtime series where it's, you know, 12, 13 episodes and mm-hmm. five, six seasons. And kind of on my list have been these shows where it's, you know, a full twenty-four episode season running over, you know, 10, 11 seasons that have always seemed kind of daunting and, and intimidating to me because I've just kind of wondered where I would ever find the time. And one of them in particular is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, oh, which I've always thought okay. was, you know, a classic piece of television, one of the best pieces of TV ever made. But whenever I would sort of look at the sheer amount of episodes of Buffy, I'd kind of think, Oh God, I don't think I could ever <laughs> get into this. Um, yeah. But my girlfriend and I and I've been watching it. But like during lockdown, um, we're about maybe a couple of hun- about hundred hours into it. <laughs> um, wow, we've watched four or five. Yeah, I think for season four. Towards the end of season four, at the moment, um, and I absolutely love it. I love it so much more than I ever thought I would. I think what's kind of it always seemed to me like it was going to be this kind of corny late nineties thing, and it kind of is, but. <laughs> I really like that it sort of takes these like really relatable teen moments and emotions like it addresses teen angst and sort of friendships and sexuality and coming of age and trying to find your place in the world and like blows them up into these like really good pieces of like gothic fiction (laughs) like we just watched this episode where Willow sort of wrestling with this idea that she's not quite as exciting as the other teenagers in a school everybody's kind of got this kind of fun crazy wild side and she's just kind of bookish and geeky but in like the world of buffy this becomes like a big story about her sort of facing her own evil doppelganger and there's a storyline at the moment where where buffy sort of by sleeping with angel may break a curse and turn him back into a vampire and it's like you know it's kind of a fun sort of gothic teen subplot but at the same time it's sort of all about you know addressing your fears of losing your virginity as a teenager so it's kind of super smart in like a really fun way mm-hmm. um and I, yeah i'm really really enjoying it i'm just i've really kind of thrown myself into this show
0: all right question do you feel like you have more of an appreciation for it now at this stage of life than you would have if you watched it when you were in the sort of core demographic for that show so like mid-teens
3: oh i don't know i think i would really have liked to have in a fan when I was a teenager, because I think some of it would have really related to me yeah. uh, in a much bigger way. But at the same time, I don't think I would have had quite an appreciation for how good its storytelling is right. um, if I hadn't sort of revisited it at the age I am now. Like I think if I watched it um, when it came out in. What 98, 99 nine, two thousand. I think I would have just sort of thought, "Oh, these characters are fun. I like the demons and like the fight scenes are cool." Mm-hmm. Um, but like now, I can really kind of appreciate just how like creative some of the storytelling is. It's a really good show. It's sort of, um, I think, by design, it's kind of formulaic. It's that kind of typical network TV thing where you know there's always a kind of similar, familiar structure to the show right. there's always a new demon that has to come from the hell mouth that buffy has to face and they have to find some spell to get rid of it but i like the way that it sort of gets creative with that formula it's kind of aware of itself and makes fun of itself i don't think i would have picked up on all that kind of stuff had i not sort of you know had that kind of breadth of like film you know. TV watching behind me now so i don't know like the perfect thing would have been for me to watch it at a young age and like it and i'll be re- like revisiting it i guess <laughs> um, but no, no,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm really, really loving it. Your second thing, um, I was not expecting this. I'll be honest. I mean, I didn't really come in with any preconceptions for anybody. But uh, yeah, I was not expecting this. Uh, budgeting software that you genuinely, and I'm, I'm not just saying this for effect listeners, Andy is genuinely excited by this. I can see it in her face. that this thing has actually brought her a lot of joy this year. But why is that?
1: Yeah. I just really like it. <laughs> they interviewed me a few weeks ago um so the software is called YNAB
0: I was gonna say let's give it a shout out it's called it's called what did you say
1: YNAB Y-N-A-B but it's right. pronounced um it's called you need a budget and um I was kind of aimlessly searching for a budget on the app store and I found it and I was like hmm I downloaded it and I was like this seems really hard to use. So then I went on a quest of learning how to use it and it was so rewarding. And also I've been really successful with it. Um, And then there's like a really great community with it. It, The people on the subreddit call, it's kind of like a cult. That's what we call it. (laughs) But it's awesome. I love it so much.
0: What exactly do you do with it though? Is it just literally you break down your expenditures and your income?
1: Well, it's actually, so there's four tenants of it, but it's zero-based budgeting. So you, it, their tagline is give every dollar a job. So every time you get paid, you budget every single dollar to different categories. Okay. Um, so like you start with your fixed expenses. So like your rent or your mortgage, the things that you know are the same cost you have to do every month. And then you go okay. to things that happen monthly, but may not have a set cost. And then you budget for, for the yearly expenses as well. So you always stay prepared. And then the really fun part is that you can save for the things that you want. Um, so everything is savings based. And you get it, its goals. So like, once you reach your goal, you get that satisfaction of I saved $25 to spend on whatever. Mm-hmm. Really, really rewarding to do that.
0: So I guess it's kind of not only good for you in terms of your budgeting, in terms of managing your finances, but I suppose it's that sort of micro trigger of psychology in there that you get with like the, okay, I've, I've done this towards that. It's like almost an achievement of sorts because you've kind of done that little thing, which then leads on to something else.
1: Exactly. And I was already budgeting, so this just made it so much easier.
0: Mm. It's awesome. Why neb? Why
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I say why not? (laughs) So what have you got for your second item?
2: Again, it's very
0: Is it a bit woo-woo? It is a bit woo-woo. Sweet.
2: What else would you (laughs) expect?
0: That's that's what I was hoping for.
2: It's a bit about manifestation. Like I've I've discovered that what you give out, you do get back. So so I explain. Um,
0: yes, please do. It, is this <laughs> some sort of karmic power yeah. source? Some karm—I kind of, don't know how you would describe that. Some sort of karmic um, behavior.
2: Well, it's um, there's a lot of stuff about this in terms of like mirroring and stuff. So when you speak to people, if you speak to them in the way that you want to be spoken to, you get it back and all that sort of stuff. So it's quite a—I think it's quite a well-known concept. But what I found is I. I've been very active in different sort of Facebook groups and on Instagram and also attending a lot of like virtual festivals for like the sustainable world, for ethical businesses, joined like a membership club for ethical businesses, went to an ecopreneur summit, went to a virtual networking event as well. So I've been to a lot of different places without leaving my house Mm. (laughs) and met. A huge array of people and I've found that like they're being active in these places and I've been giving people advice I've been giving people help I've you know I've not just sat back and watched the world go by and taken right. it in mm-hmm. um, and I've been vocal and like reaching out and helping people like I reached out to my first few clients to help them and didn't charge them as much or I didn't charge them straight away and you know just while I'm building myself up so, I've been given a lot, I feel like, and I'm naturally getting stuff back, like nice things are happening, so I'm getting clients through referrals because people like me because I'm nice and I'm helpful. Other businesses are reaching out, you know like i'll I'll put a post on and they'll ask me a couple of questions around the topic, and I'll give them a point some pointers of what I know, even if I don't really know everything, and they'll come back and say oh offer offer me some support and some help." A lady who is very. Prominent in business consulting world for retail, I just reached out and asked her if she'd mind having a chat with me because, you know, I'm still starting out and I'm probably making some mistakes. And she was like, yeah, let's let's chat. So I feel this whole, like, positive manifestation... It's not, it's not really manifestation. It's like just giving out good stuff and getting back good stuff. So I feel like I've discovered that that is happening.
0: What can we refer to this as? Because I feel like it doesn't quite have a name. What would you describe this as?
2: Let's put it under something like karma. Discovered karma.
0: <laughs> wow, you discovered karma. You, 2020, you became enlightened to good deeds. <gasps> yeah. yeah someone, I, think, I think there's definitely, like, there's obviously a sense of, of sort of karmic uh, elements to that for sure. It's, um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know how I would describe it, though. <laughs> I suppose it's just good, and uh, not to get it too f- well. Do you know what? Let's do it. It is you. Let's get too fippy. I suppose it is good energy practices.
2: It is, yeah. It's it's like you put out your good energy, you get back good energy. You put out helpfulness, you get back helpfulness. Like it is. It's like discovering energy transfer. Right, positive go- energy transfer.
0: There you go. That's what I'm referring to. It as positive energy awesome. transfer. Pet, get in there, oh. pet.
2: You just like shortening it down
0: acronym it or and everything. <laughs> Acronyming? Yeah, sure. Why not? We've already butchered the language for about five minutes. Why not just continue? Um Yeah, I do I do love a good a- acronym. Positive energy transfer. No, but that's good. And I think that's definitely, you know, a good way to go into a new year, leaving a shitty one behind, going into a hopefully fingers crossed much better one. I think that's something uh, we all en masse could do with kind of throwing ourselves into a little bit more, bit of positive Is energy it a bit transfer.
2: Controversial if I say that this has been one of the best years of my
0: life, <laughs> no, not at all. I think it's good. I, I think, obviously, as a whole, um, it's been a bad one for humanity, Yes. Yeah. But I think if people come out of it and can say something like that, I want to hear that, you know. What I mean, I don't feel like it's gloating, I don't feel like it's boasting, I feel like it's people taking the best out of a bad situation. And if you can do that, then all power to you, you know? Nobody should ever suppress that. Nobody should ever condemn that. If someone has managed to get something really good out of something universally terrible, fucking A, all power to that. So there you go, guys. That's it. That is the 2020 time capsule. It's still open. The hole has not even been dug in the backyard. So as I said at the top of the show... If you want to throw things in, and I do want you to throw things into the time capsule, I want you to give me two positive things you've discovered this year. Those are the only rules. Two positive things that you've discovered this year. I want you to throw them in. So the best way to do that is get in touch with me on Twitter or Instagram. Probably better on Twitter. Probably works better via Twitter. Get in touch with me on either of those at I am Malfoster. At I am Malfoster. Lend me your ears. <laughs> Send me your tweets. I didn't know where the hell I was going with that. But yeah, send me your two picks for the time capsule and I'll throw them in before we bury it into the ground. Before we say goodbye to this episode and to this stinking year, before we kick it out of the door into the void, I want to say sincerely from the bottom of my heart, if you have been on board with this show either from the beginning or you've just jumped on, if you've been liking what we've done this year, because that's another thing that really I could throw in there. And you know what? Why not? It is my rules. It is my concept. I'm going to throw this in. Making this podcast is going into the time capsule because it has been a real pleasure. It's given me a sense of drive, a sense of determination, a sense of purpose, and it's allowed me to open up different uh, conversations, dialogues with people about a whole plethora of different topics it really has opened up my eyes and my ears and my mind to all sorts of interesting new stuff and some amazing new experiences which is what the show is all about and it's what the show is going to be even more about in 2021 so if you've been on board from the start or you've just joined lately whatever however long your tenure thank you for listening for supporting and for joining me on this wonderful adventure We have so much curious and fascinating and just mind boggling and mind blowing and trippy and weird and ultimately fascinating, deeply curious stuff coming your way in 2021. And the best way that you can get on board and stay on board and make sure you don't miss any of this crazy adventure is to subscribe to the show. And you can do that by finding us wherever you get your podcasts from and just subscribing. It really is that simple. It makes sure that you don't miss out. You get all the episodes sent to you without lifting a finger and it shows a tremendous amount of support for what we're doing here. If you want to ride that train of support even further and you want to help contribute to the growth of this potentially just amazing Leviathan of experience, then you can do so. And the best way to do so is we've set up a Patreon account. It is one tier. One single tier, $5 a month. And for that $5, you get quite a few things, mainly an extra episode each month, a live streamed Q&A slash hangout session. You get access to the official Dime Out Discord channel where we're going to be talking about stuff within the episode, but we're also going to be talking about what you want to see for future episodes. So for the Discord channel, I want it to be basically a sandbox for you guys to not only get little sneak peeks and little bits and pieces, little snippets of things, artwork that never made it for certain episodes, but I want you to be able to just throw in your ideas, your suggestions, your recommendations. I want it to be, as I said, an open sandbox for us to collaborate on what this show becomes. So yeah, patreon.com forward slash dimed out, one tier, $5 a month plenty of rewards it's there it's an option it's not mandatory if you want to join up absolutely go for it and i am appreciative for anybody who even considers it but i'm just saying it is there as an option if you want to help contribute and help the show grow further that is a possibility if you don't i'm absolutely fine with that as well the regular shows are going to be free as always that is always going to be the case whatever happens the weekly shows within the seasons are always going to be free the other stuff It's just extras. Speaking of extra, next week's episode, season two, episode three is going to be extra special. If you are looking to supercharge your new year physically, mentally, spiritually, and in so many other ways, it is an episode you cannot afford to miss. If you want to kick off 2021 right, then next week's episode is one you cannot afford to miss. I'm going to be talking to Danielle Longo. She is a mindset coach. We're going to be talking about what exactly that is. ...what benefits that could bring to you in the new year. And we're going to be talking about all sorts of other crazy, cool, trippy, weird, fascinating stuff... ...like lucid dreaming and the the sort of merger between science and spirituality. Lots of fascinating, deeply fascinating stuff. And as I said, from her professional standpoint, she is a mindset coach. So whether you are looking to achieve some physical goals... ...whether you are looking to give yourself a mental upgrade whether you are just looking to challenge yourself in some way or overcome something, or you just feel that the best way to get you off the starting blocks for 2021 is by speaking to somebody. It is honestly an absolute must listen. So yeah, you've got that to look forward to next week. Starting off the year right, baby. We're starting off the year right. Yeah, looking forward to it. Other than that, guys, as always, thank you for listening. Until next year. Actually, yeah, until next year, look after yourselves and look after each other and keep it dimed out.